There is a famous expression, uh, mess around and you'll find out. Fortunately for Ivan Tony, he's found out the hard way. Eight months, eight months. And we won't be seeing click a ball for eight months. This is One Kick from Glory and we're going to be talking about a lot of things happening in the world of football today, but more Premier League focused. I'm joined by Craig Peace. and Marcus. Hey. And we're going to start right at the top with that breaking news story that Ivan Tony's ban has finally come through. It's been, we've been waiting actually for the FA to, to kind of come to a decision as to how long the punishment would be. I want to start with you, Mark. What's your general thoughts on the, on the ban itself, the length and what implications that might have for him going forward? Yeah, look, it's been looming. Um, I don't think you can really complain, you know. It's not like, you know, he just went down and put on one cheeky bet the... The, um, the book is, is it, you know, he's been caught on multiple cases. I don't think he's got much to complain about. Um, you know, I, I actually think it's probably not the worst thing timing-wise. You know, Brentford are pretty much, you know, not playing for anything. Season's basically over and he's going to get the first, you know, what month, month and a half of his ban, you know, be pre-season and the start of the season. Um, he's going to have to keep himself fit in training and, It'll be like a new signing for Brentford next next January. So, um, yeah, it's it's not ideal. Obviously, Brentford's talisman, um, third top Premier League goal scorer this season, um, he's on very good form um, and the type of player that can, you know can keep you in the Premier League on his own. Um, but you know, Brentford are going to have to probably get some reinforcements in, even if it's just an extra number up there until Tony's back second half of the season. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I don't think you can really have too much to complain about. Yes, it's a bit of a not like you say. It's it's not a shocking news. I guess the surprise is the timing. Like I mean, for me, I think it's just a bit coincidental that now he's not going to be fit and available to play. I mean, he's currently injured, so he might not have been fit anyway. But there was talk that he may have been available to play the game this weekend. But now he's definitely not going to be available to play in the big game they've got coming up against Man City in a couple of games' time. For you, Craig, what's what's been your general thoughts on this news, breaking news of Ivan Tony's ban? I'm thinking, why did it take so long for them to to, to um, do it? And obviously, eight eight month ban is a long ban. If you really think about it, it's a long ban. But he could have got worse. That's true. Could have got worse. So, but the thing is, like, how Brentford going to cope without next season? I've got an idea. They can buy Ketty of Arsenal. They can buy him off, buy him off us. You can take and get him off us. I don't mind. Well, I think, I think it's interesting that you said that because I, I was trying to get a sense of the general sentiment online about how people feel about this news. And some people are kind of in the camp you have, Mark, where it's, like, it's actually not a bad thing when you think about it. He's got, you know, it's not a long ban. He misses the summer, so he's got an extended rest. Then it's, what, three months of the season in between that. And then it's he'll be back in time for January. So realistically, if you're if you're an ambitious club, you might depending on where you're placed in the league at that point in time, you might want to take a cheeky bet on him. I, oh, sorry, no pun intended there. <laughs> um, take a punt on him. Also still, betting. anyway, no, no pun intended. That was just a, it's a great expression. It's unfortunate in the circumstances. But for you, Mark, I guess taking into account what Craig said about, you know, they, them looking at, um, obviously they could potentially have Nketiah if they wanted him. What do you think Brentford would do now? And also tied to that, could you see a big club going in for Tony, all things considered? Um, probably not at the moment, no. Um, you know, based on his form, um, you know, he would have been well in for a potential big move. But I think, you know, I think with everything, the band's been looming, like Craig said, for a little while. We knew it was coming, so no one was going to take a punt knowing that that could, you know, um, materialise. Now it's materialised. He's out till January. There'll be question marks around his fitness when he comes back, regardless of how fit he stays, because he won't be playing games. So um, he's definitely not going to be match fit. So I don't imagine he'll be on the radar of any top club looking to, you know, push anywhere come second half of the season, you know, for registration issues, Champions League, you know, Europa League, you know, etc. And, you know, then on top of that, you know, his fitness is always going to be a, a question mark and is he going to hit the ground running? So I, I think there'll be other places to go. As for Brentford, um, you know, Brentford, I think, could probably still get by, um, you know, without needing to necessarily fully replace him in the sense of, you know, they obviously they need these goals, but if they could get, you know, one of a midfielder and a striker that can combine, 
you know, his goals. They still have Wissa. They still have M Bueno. Um, so there's still players there that can put the ball in the net for Brentford. Um, obviously, it's a big amount of goals, um, and I wouldn't expect them to be ninth next season um, without him. Come you know, come January, but um, but you know, like I said, it'll for Brentford at the very least, it'll be like a new signing for the second half of the season. Yeah, it represents an interesting opportunity and, and hopefully for them. I mean, knowing Brentford, they would have a plan in place. They would have a, a target that they want. I mean, they brought in Kevin Sharder and he's been getting more and more minutes as the season's gone on. He, he looks like a, it's a bright young talent from Germany. So maybe he might be primed to kind of get more minutes uh, next season. You never know. I mean, I, I mean, I think I, I, there's also the option they could send him abroad. Because the ban, it's not a FIFA, it's a Premier League ban. It's not a FIFA ban, so he could play in any other country. So potentially they could they could look at doing something really clever there, either selling him overseas or do do like a kind of like a little. I mean, I, I'm proposing this Brentford. We can we can help each other out here. So um, send him to Arsenal. You can have both Balogun and Ketia on loan till January. Then we'll review the terms and see if you want to um, you know make that permanent, and then uh, we'll take it from there. Really. That's so why Arsenal will sign him and loan him out for six months. He comes back in January. So I feel like for all parties concerned, although, wait, we'd, we'd be short a striker. Okay. You get to choose one of Balogun and Ketia, and we'll get Tony. We'll loan Tony out to Germany, to Leverkusen, link up with Xhaka if he moves there. And then, um, you know, then happy days. And he comes back in January, fresh, fit, raring to go, having played football. It's not, it's not a FIFA ban, it's only an FA ban. And everyone wins, really. Except for say, Brentford. Before you say that, when Kieran Trippier had a ban for betting as well, he was banned from Atletico. He couldn't play a couple of games for Atletico as well. So it's a, a whole worldwide ban. So you can't do that. Because Kieran Trippier got banned a couple of seasons ago when it was Atletico Madrid for when he was betting at um, Tottenham or one of the... the bet, all his, to do with his transfer to Atletico yeah, Madrid. Yeah, and then he couldn't, he couldn't play for a couple of games. So it can't work like that. The, the, FIFA will... The FA will put a, a worldwide ban on him so he can't play abroad. All right, fair enough. That doesn't work. I guess the other question is, if he's banned from all football activities, can he even be transferred out? Because that's the other question. Is he is he stuck till January? I think he's stuck till January. I don't think Bradford can make any profit on him right now. So they'll have to keep I mean, it's a, it, it's a shame. I mean, he you know, 262 breaches, of which 232 are the ones that he... Because 30 got thrown out. So those are the ones that he actually got charged for. It's a lot. I mean, clearly it's a business of player who had or has gambling issues and probably needs help and support now to get over it rather than just being a bad person. I mean, you know, the irony of it, and this is something I want to throw back to you, Mark, is that when you think about the Premier League in general as as a league, as a sport, as a brand, the amount of clubs that we have and the amount of betting sponsors that we have in the league itself is problematic. Now, if you're going to extend, and he has broken the rules, so if you are going to punish Tony with this extent, that's fine. But surely now there needs to be a genuine conversation around the sponsorships in the Premier League because you can't ban a player for breaching betting regulations and yet have multiple clubs sponsored by betting things, having broadcasters with their own betting platforms advertising it before, during and after every game. It, to me, it's just rank, it stinks of hypocrisy. Yeah, I think there's definitely a conversation to be had. Um, you know, I, I know some people will feel strongly about it. I, I, I don't feel as strongly about it. I, I think from... Ivan Tony's perspective, he knows the rules. Um, as a football player, you're not allowed to engage in betting, and he is engaged in betting. Like there are no rules around sponsorships and who you can and can't be sponsored by, at least in at this stage. Uh, so, so not a rule has not necessarily been broken in that regard. So, I wouldn't necessarily call it hypocrisy. As much as as much as you know, I think there is valid room for conversation around the nature of of who we allow to sponsor us and what that represents right like you know it, it, it is a it is a representation of support for a particular you know reality there's no doubt about that if you if, if you're allowed to to do that but I, I i don't think it translates across to to justifying a player illegally betting you know as far as that's concerned he's done what he's done what he's done is 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 wrong he's been punished for it right you know i, I don't think he can really complain but but yes I, I still think you know generally in football 
you know, wide. These are good conversations to have for the game. It's important to consider what the sport wants to represent and doesn't want to represent. And, you know, um, that, that goes across the board, including who we allow to take over football clubs. So, you know, if, if we're going to, if we're going to have that conversation, maybe we should have done it a couple of months before Newcastle got took over. And, you know, maybe we should also be doing it regarding some of these Man United bids as well. So, um, yeah, I think there's lots of, ethical questions to be discussed if you're if you're going to dive into that and football says it wants to be ethical then you know these are the the big topics that they'll have to deal with i agree and and um fa the premier league just in case you guys are unaware we're still waiting on your verdict on man city you know no pressure no rush but anytime between now and like next week would be great like just no no pressure no rush but just just any time now would be much greatly appreciated by all of us connected to the one kick from glory family we would all just create like a decision very soon you know no pressure i mean tomorrow will be fine i mean midnight tonight will be even better but you know i, I, I could take next week's friday that's fine no rush just, just remember time is ticking we've all got stuff that we want that they have my last thing on, on this uh, Ivan Tony stuff, Craig, how do you think he's going to um, come back from the situation? Do you think he's going to be the same player or do you feel like he might, having this timeout might cost him vital kind of time in his career? But he'll definitely miss out on England caps. I don't know if he'll get how, how, his, how his ranking in England squad will be after that. I don't know if they'll pick him again. I'm not sure. But I think he'll miss out on the, like getting more caps and trying, trying to eventually replace Harry Kane. So... But I thought that it, it could affect him. But I think he's a strong-minded player anyway. So maybe the time we're making him reflect, come back even stronger, come back an even better player. So, yeah. Uh, talking about come back even stronger, coming back even better. Let's talk about Arsenal. Uh, very disappointing uh, game against Brighton at the weekend. I was driving from Birmingham so I didn't really get to watch the game I, I had it on in the background audio only I promise and um, I, I switched it off after the, it went to 2-0 I was like this is good enough for me I not, don't need to know anymore um, but just disappointing really the performance I want to start with you Craig like in terms of the game because we, we want to talk about the overall picture for Arsenal this season but in terms of the game itself do you think Brighton are becoming our new Southampton, that bogey team that just has a way of getting points off us now? Because it's not the first time in the last few seasons that they've done this well, to us. Well, it's three times they've come to the Emirates and three times they've won since they've been in the Premier League. There's no coincidence in that. They just, they just know how to play against us. They have our number. As Matthew would say, they have our number now. Mm. And I think that in that game, we didn't come to the gate. I know City played before us, so I'm worried that maybe the players watched the City game before we played or saw the highlight, or the most of thought, the most I knew that City had won. Yeah. And I was going to the game nervous, thinking, oh, I'm not going to win this game. So it was, I thought it was down to the managers to kind of say to the players, you know what, forget about City, let's focus on our game. Let's, there was no aggression, there was nothing in the game. It was just an easy game, it was a walk in the park for them. I thought that we made, they, they, they stopped us playing. Brighton stopped us playing fair in our game. They pressed us well, they made good tackles, they did the, 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 the dirty foul or the cheeky foul. They did everything they need to do to stop us from playing. And we didn't have the mindset of trying something different, mixing it up, swap Saka on one wing, swap Martinelli on one wing, or Trossard. We didn't try anything different. We just kept the same way we've been always playing all season. And they, they and, and Ben White, I'm sorry, mate. He, he turned, that guy, he destroyed you. Absolutely destroyed him. Left, turned him le inside out. Left, right, inside out. Gone, goal. So... And I'll defend. I don't know, man. Watching that, watching that home, it was, it was just embarrassing to watch. Yeah, I, I, I was, um, like I said, I was listening to the game on the way home, and it was just interesting. Kind of, I haven't watched it back, and I refuse to watch it back. I don't need to know anymore. I think I've learned enough from watching, from hearing it live, I should say. But what I found really um, troubling for me is, is the like you said, the lack of aggression, the lack of. Um, We've, we've done really well this season to turn games around. Mm. Like, you know, we all know the famous Bournemouth last minute Reese Nelson winner. But I think at the same time, by that very same token, our games have been far too 
um, fractured and frenetic, too much emotion involved, too much, it's not been enough control. For you, Mark, just on that type notion of control, do you think that's like a big area that Arteta needs to address for next season? Because as we know, and I'll come on to this a bit later in terms of like Klopp's um, journey in Liverpool, um, there comes a point as a coach when you kind of have to like evaluate things and really kind of identify what are the big barriers to your success and also who are the players who you just have to leave behind and move on from. And we're going to touch on that in a bit as well. But do you feel like that whole notion of control is something that in as well as Arsenal have done this season, especially in this game, it fell apart? Yeah, look, I, I think I'll start by saying, you know, fair play to Brighton because, you know, they've had a great season and, you know, they have quietly built a really good team and to the point where two or three of their best players are linked away this summer for big, big money. And you look at what they've got going on behind that, that, that one or two or three players and you think, would they be even hurt that much? I don't know, probably not that much. Plus they'll get 150 million for two of them players, right? Like you kind of look and think they've done a really, really shrewd job with their signings, you know, Matoma from... Belgium third division, McAllister, now a World Cup winner, and Caicedo, you know, cheap from, you know, South America, Evan Ferguson coming through the academy, Espen, um, um, Espen, Espen, I can't pronounce his name, um, the left back there, the Colombian left back, we'll, we'll just stick with that, um, Solly March, Pascal Grobe, um, they they built a really good little setup there. And Seiko coming through, scored a couple in this last few weeks. You think he he, you know, looks good. Um, so you know, credit to Brighton um, for what they've built um, and the way that they are aggressive in attacking. From an Arsenal perspective, I, I think it is disappointing to get so comfortably dismantled at home in a game that you have to win. Um, but yeah, I think it does point to some of the glaring problems but then then problems are not they're not problems like you know oh you know this is a terrifying worrying problem they're problems like you know when we're trying to win a title we're not ready to do so problems right like you know and i don't think anyone arsenal at the beginning of the season would have considered them genuine title contenders so the fact that arsenal have been genuine title contenders for the entire season is is impressive um but yeah they need they need more control in midfield and you know odegaard's a great player but he doesn't he doesn't dictate the midfield from a at least kind of midfield perspective like you know he can get the ball going forward and he hits some nice goals but you know even his assists are, are minimal across an entire season like seven or eight is not special it's okay like you know but it's his goal contribution that's been terrific um but but yeah they they, they need someone who can control the midfield um Declan Rice Caicedo that type of player um you know uh, w- would be kind of like the role the role model player for that um and and then a couple more players that are able to that are able to offer kind of Trossard type players that, you know, they can come in and do something, make a difference so that, you know, your bench is not necessarily the likes of Reese Nelson and Enkea, but an upgrade on that. Like Trossard has been a significant upgrade on your bench this season, coming in second half of the season, covering Martinelli in that regard. You know, you get him in, he gets four assists in one game, right? Like, you know, you, you want the, them players that are going to be able to consistently tick. But the big thing, and I think fundamentally the, the big thing that has made the difference and would have made the difference this season is an actual striker. And all the talk around, you know, Gabriel Jesus coming in and being the big man up front who's going to score all the goals and push Arsenal, you know, on. And he's got nine goals, right? Granted, he was out for a chunk of the season. He'd probably have a few more than that if he wasn't. But facts are facts. Gabriel Jesus is not a title-winning striker. That's why Man City got rid of him, right? Like, he's a good Champions League squad player, and I'd be okay with him as my second striker to a Haaland, to a, you know, someone else, or, you know, as a partner with another striker who is slightly better than him because he's just not good enough on his own to lead any team to that that type of level and that's clear i think um it was clear at man city i think it's clear at arsenal in a team in which arsenal have had a very very good season and are levels and levels above where we expect them to be um and i just don't think he's cut it so yeah i think that is something i'd be 
thinking on in in the summer too. Controlling midfielder, a striker that can actually score twenty goals in a season, and then one or two additions to strengthen the the the, the rest of the squad out, and you're set to go again. That's interesting on Jesus. I, I want to throw a weird comparison to you, Mark, and I'm going to come back to you, Craig, about something else. But um, because you only mentioned Jesus there, and you're right about his, his numbers. They're not what you would. Definitely not for, I mean, again, Arsenal have, in terms of like what we've done this season, we've sort of leapfrogged, well, I guess leapfrogged the process because people would have said we would have been a lot further back than where we are. So the fact that we are in contention, or we have been in contention for the league for a long time and it, we've kind of fallen away at the, at the vital point. But I look at him when, and I look at Olivier Giroud when he was at Arsenal. And I feel like both of those players, for different reasons, have defined the squads that they were part of. Giroud, for unfortunately being a bit of a failure in terms of the fact that we you know that this the 15-16 season when or 16-17 season when he just stopped scoring. Um, I think it's a 10 or 14 game run, he just stopped scoring goals. And Urzel could have had the assist record that year, but Giroud just stopped scoring. He's not the only one, but he's the main one I'm gonna point out because I'm talking about him. And he's gone on to do better things since leaving. Which seems to be a trend for a lot of players from that era. But I'm not hold taking it personally against all any of you guys, Sesk, Alexis. I'm not taking it personal. But I remember Adebayor, Nasri, um, Van Persie, frauds. Um, so there's that. But then I also think when you look at Jesus in terms of what this new Arsenal, he feels like the way how, you know, when, we, when Arteta first took over and we kind of were struggling to find identity in the strikers, you had Aubameyang who should have scored more goals, but then kind of stopped scoring because he got his new money. And Lacazette who forgot how to score. And now he's, I think he's still top goal scorer in France, which is ridiculous. Shame, have some shame. But I look at him and Giroud and Jesus and I feel like they both define the turning points in Arsenal. Giroud is almost like the definition of the banter era because like this guy just, just he had good moments, but he just was never consistent. And Jesus is like, he looks the part, but just isn't bagging the goals. Do you feel like between between the two of them, actually, here's a question for you. Who would you say would, would work, was is a better striker and would work better in the current system? So if you were to put Giroud in this current system now, or Jesus in Giroud's system back then, who would be the better striker? I think they're both kind of, you know, you can go either way, right? And then one of them's much better than the other. Giroud was good at what he did, which was scoring against Liverpool. Jesus is good at what he does, scoring against Liverpool, right? Like, you know, they both can do that, all right? Like, you know, um, but outside of, outside of the two games a year where they look like Messi, um, you know, they're, they're, there's a lot lacking um, in in their performance and in their game, and and the facts are they're just not good enough strikers for the top level team. Like that, that's that's the facts. So I think I think for me, you know, I hate to be so ruthless with it, but you know, if Arsenal want to be in the mix again next year, when the likes of Man City are still going to be miles ahead, you know, you would assume potentially Liverpool will be back. Newcastle will be in the mix. Man United, there or thereabouts. Chelsea, they'll spend four hundred million and still finish eleventh. Like, you know, but but the reality is, like, you know, there's gonna be so many teams in that mix, right? Like, you need someone without question who's gonna bang in twenty goals minimum, right? You click your fingers and Haaland's got that in five minutes at Man City, right? You always know that when Salah's having a bad season, he'll still get 20 goals, right? Like, so you've got that. Like, and then not only do you have that, you've got the developments of Gapco, you've got Nunez, who's going to be going into his second season, and you've got Diaz. I, you know, I would also I would look at Nunez as sort of like a comparable season with Jesus in a team where Arsenal are looking at the title and Liverpool have been outside the top four the entire season. I think. Currently, Nunes has one goal less than him. Three games left to go. We'll see how that ends. Um, but, um, but like, he's also, in the mix of Liverpool's attackers, needs to contribute to be the fourth top goal scorer, third top goal scorer. You know, when you've got Gapco, you've got Diaz, you've got Nunes, them three between them will comp- contribute to at least... 20 goals, 25 goals, when you've got Salah, who's going to get you 20, 20 goals for sure. So Arsenal need that. Whoever that is, whoever that's going to be, if they're going to come and they're going to say next summer, look, Jesus is going to be our man that's going to do that, 
then I think that's a big gamble going into this ne- next season with, you know, placing all your reliance on Gabriel Jesus being the man that, that's going to do that. I think Arsenal can go two ways. They can bring back the likes of Balogun and get him to put pressure on Jesus, but would it be enough pressure? I don't think so. So therefore, I think they have to go out and they have to look in the market at a top-class striker and spend the money that's needed to bring them in. On that note, who who would you put as the, the best option for Arsenal to go for? Uh, Victor Osherman, possibly. Dusan Vlahic, I, I know he's been talked of and you know he's been kind of flirted with for a couple of years. I think he's a good player. I think he's strong, physical. I think he fits the bill and would do quite well in the Premier League. Um, Lautaro Martinez, um, you know, out there, top top striker who will score goals and, you know, has contributed to Inter again to the Champions League final. But these are not players that are coming at a small price tag. Like, you know, Victor Osherman, Napoli paid eighty million for him and he's gone up in stock since since they signed him. Um, you know, Dusan Vlasic went to Juventus for sixty million a couple of years ago. Like Lautaro Martinez has been talked about in the sixties, seventy million um, price tag. Um, price tag for for you know a handful of handful of years now. You, you're not getting one of these strikers cheap. You have to go out and you have to spend the money. But you know, there's a couple. Greg, who would you bring in as your upgrade option on Gabriel Jesus? Has to be Osman or Valovic or even uh, Martinez. You're a big fan of Martinez. That's your guy, isn't it? I like him. Good player. Quality player. Uh, speaking of. Lautaro Martinez Inter in the Champions League final and Champions League Knights are finally back at the carpet. <laughs> um, I've not seen Arsenal in the Champions League live since Barcelona 2017 when I went to... Is it 2017? No, 2016. When I went to a new camp. Great times. Sat in... Sat where I shouldn't have sat, but hey, it is what it is. Surrounded by a Milan fan and Americans, but hey... And some Spanish people, it was great, good times. So, in, and then he scored a wonder goal, which seems to be, en, you know, endemic of his Arsenal career. Just does one good thing every four years and then disappears again. So, <laughs> uh, and then I saw Messi do what he does best, which is like basically just playing in second gear until he realised Arsenal were actually looking a bit dangerous, and he just turned it on to. He went to third gear, never went out of third gear, and then that was enough for them. Um, terrible performance. So we can't have a repeat of that, but we're back in the big time. Are you excited, Craig, for um, Champions League being back at the Emirates? What do you think it's going to mean for us next year? I'm excited, but at the same time fearful as well. I'm afraid that we'll... we'll, we'll Can't we'll, have fear, we'll, man. We'll, co- right, we'll, do, we'll coast through the group stages, and if we get to the knockout round, Arteta will do a madness and pick a, a random player that he hasn't played for a while, and then we end up losing to a rubbish team. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. He needs to work on that. Nah. He needs to work on... Um, Big games. You'll be fine. It'll be it'll be Bayern Munich that will do you in the um, last sixteen, like they always do. It'll be a big team. I would I I would assume. If you get Bayern Munich again and they do it, and 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 it's it's starting to look that way, I might have to call in the West Ham boys for a favour. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I will not explain what that means, but you know who you know what it means. If you know, you know. That's all I'm going to say. Champions League final 2019. Uh, Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's exciting. Obviously, I think that's a big thing to look forward to. It's going to help us with players um, mm. that we're going to try and attract. Obviously, there's massive talk going on about. Well, been, there's been talk for the last six, five, six months about Declan Rice coming to Arsenal. Uh, Rumours uh, of a bid coming up very soon. I've heard that they've already agreed terms and all that. Everything's been agreed. That's what yeah, I heard. I don't know how well, true it is online. So he's agreed terms, but it might be agreed, true. It's just really personal terms to agree the fee with West Ham. That's the thing. I mean, West Ham now have an opportunity to make a mark out of this because Man City, Pep Guardiola has been doing his usual talking and flirting in the press about how he likes Declan Rice. I'm sorry, kid, but not kid, boss. I mean, not my boss, but Pep. Yeah. They call you the bold, the bold fraud. You're not a fraud. You're Pep. Um, you have Calvin Phillips. He's like Declan Rice. He's also English. Um, just play him a bit more. Maybe you might see that quality in him. You know, you've got your own Rice at home. Leave the West Ham captain because he's not ours yet. I hope he becomes ours. But until then, leave him alone, right? You've got your own rice at home. Use him more. And you've got Lavia. Go get go get him. And if you don't want Lavia, we'll take him. Just don't bid if we bid for him. Because you're a lot of cheeky like that. Terrible. But um, 
obviously we've got a couple of games left. You know, this hasn't quite worked out the way we were all expecting the Brighton game. We thought we were going to pull it down to one point and then hopefully leap, hopefully win the, the next game and then put a little bit of pressure on Man City, which is not really pressure. It's more just like, oh, Arsenal ahead of us again. Oh, okay, they're keeping it warm for us. Fair enough. To end the season, what are you hoping for from Arsenal? We've got two games left. Not in the first and Wolves. That's it. Last two games. Forest coming up, uh, I think. Saturday. Saturday. 5 p.m. And then Wolves will be the final one. What are you hoping for from the team to end up the season? Two wins. Confidence boost for next season. A statement for next season. If we start, if we have a statement for next season, we start off well. Now, win our two games. Then next season, we start off with how we started this season. But this time, try and win the league this time. Don't fall off in May. In May. Don't fall off. Just try and be consistent for the whole season. As Marcus said, get an elite striker in. Get some good players in. Get rid of some of the deadwood. We've got a lot of deadwood in the club still that needs to go. Sorry, we're holding, but yeah, we've got some deadwood that need to go. Um, rebuild, compete for compete for much uh, compete in much competitions as possible. Try and see us far if we can go far in the Champions League. Um, try and see if you can do well in the FA Cup with maybe a reserve team at least, not with the strongest team. Let's try and win a trophy next season. I think ultimately Arteta needs to have more than 13 players that he trusts. You know, you can't be relying. I mean, like Saka has not run past a player since the Liverpool game. He's tired. I've been saying it all week. He's been tired. I, 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 I don't know if it's if it's tiredness. I mean, we can tell Thomas Partey's fallen off a cliff and he's he's definitely not, I wouldn't say he's injured, but he's doesn't have it in his legs anymore. That that power is gone. Like he's, he's, he's knackered. He needs to be rested for the rest of the season. Um, but with Saka, I don't know if it's the case that he's changing how he plays because he doesn't want to get any more kicks because he's been kicked a lot this season, or if he's at a point, like you said, where he just generally hasn't got that power in his legs anymore because he's really tired. Um, but, you know, we'll, ha we'll have to cross that bridge and we'll see as it goes on. I guess one, one last thing for you, Mark. What would you say now for Arsenal? Last two games going into the summer to set things up for next season, what's going to be very crucial for Arsenal to do? Yeah, just just don't don't let the season end on a pittering out note with a, you know a three 0 defeat to Brighton and then two poor results, right? Like you know, um, five you know five games left to go. Arsenal, we're in a title title race. That that's a that's an impressive thing to to think about considering where you were at the beginning of the season. And you know, at the end of the day, you're back in the Champions League. You've always had the promise of London um, for attracting players and. And now it's just doing your business right, you know, making sure you, you know, this is another thing I worry about with with what I've seen from an Arsenal perspective, this whole Mudrich nonsense that dragged on and dragged on and dragged on and dragged on and flirted with him on Instagram. And, you know, Mudrich basically, you know, told the world he wanted to move to Arsenal and then couldn't get a deal across the line because you're fighting over pennies and Chelsea are like, do you know what? Like, forget the pennies. Here's, you know, exactly what you want, you know. And then you're like, oh yeah, it's, it's all right. We'll pay it too. We'll pay it too. Sorry, too late, right? Like, you know, just, just, just don't do any of that in the summer. Decide who your targets are and go and get them. Because if you, especially if you're going for players that are, are, are going to be well targeted, like Declan Rice, you know, if you're in poor position, that's a deal that's going to need to get done, sealed dealt with across the line and, you know, hassle over before the rest of the big teams come in and start this this bidding war thing. It's like, we want the player. What do we need to pay? We'll pay you what we need to pay. Just get the deal done. Um, and and I think Arsenal are going to have to do that this summer. They're going to have to be more ruthless in in the way they handle the transfer market. Yeah, that's, that's definitely going to have to happen because we can't have a repeat of what happened last summer. It's just not acceptable. Mathematically... It's not over, but I think we can all safely assume that Man City are not going to have a collapse of the most epicest proportions and lose four games in a row. Um, I'm including the Champions League in that, but I, I, it's it's not... Stranger things have happened. If it does happen, though, comment on the video and I'll send you £10. First comment, that's £10 for, on me. Illness. If, if Man City collapse and lose four games in the trot and Arsenal in the league, I'll pay someone £10. I would go higher, but, you know, as you can see, my faith is measured. Yeah, I guess so. even I'm not commenting on the video. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Gabriel Jesus had to end I, the season. And, 
and I'll give them fifty pounds. There you go. Gabby J is having for end the season, so I can um, at least win one thing this year. Um, but moving on to uh, that one thing, Liverpool, uh, you have been on a great run. Really impressed. Craig did call it. Did say if you can get your get, get in gear and get your things together, it might be really exciting. Um, so you've done seven in a row now, and you're looking really well primed for Champions League football after Manchester United are having their little shakes you know they think they're they're really happy that man city are going to win the league title a good number of those fans and i have to say to you are you guys that stupid do you not realize what that means you may have more overall total titles than them but give it you know if they get champions league this year and they get another one next year who will care about you guys just your own fans just think about that because i won't um but it's been exciting Liverpool on a roll um craig are you happy that you got that prediction right yeah, I'm happy. So far. I'm happy I got the flips from Rock. I, I always thought that Liverpool they went for a bad spell and Liverpool always seemed to finish strong on the clock. On the clock, they always if they have a bad season, I think the second season when they the season when Allison scored that header to get to qualify for check when they finished fourth, that that's a season Liverpool having this season. They struggled and they came back and they got back and they got into top four. I think they'll definitely I, I, I put my hands on it. I think they could get top four. But it depends on my United. If they if my United slip up or if Newcastle slip up, then Liverpool are there to, to jump jump in and take the top four. Well, Man United and, and uh, Newcastle both have to play thirty five games, both on sixty six points. New Liverpool behind them both played thirty six games on sixty five points. So it's very very close. I mean, it's not inconceivable that you finish third. Which you know, looking a month or so ago, that sounded like an absurd joke but it's it's not inconceivable how happy are you mark with the, the turnaround in form and and as, as you know and of course the resurgence of the new young wonderkind mr curtis jones curtis and yester jones <laughs> what a time to be alive curtis jones premier league material who'd have thought it like the new steven gerrard um <laughs> steady let's not go that far <laughs> Oh man, yeah. You see, we're shipping out Ox and we're shipping out Naby Keita and we're shipping out James Milner. All news announced today, all leaving. Um, and that leaves space for our newfound midfield gem, Curtis Jones. Future's bright for Liverpool. It's going to be Curtis Jones in midfield on his own next year, I think. That's the plan. These owners <laughs> don't want to spend any money. Um, you know, they're like, we got Trent, we got Curtis Jones. Our midfield's perfect. Like, um, yeah, no, like, I, I think it's been great. You know, we're delighted um, to be where we are. It might just be a little late um, in, in, in the race. But um, yeah, I think, you know, Newcastle may feel the pressure. They've still got to play Leicester who need to stay up. They play Brighton tomorrow night who we all know uh, are enjoying spoiling the party at the moment. So hopefully they continue that spark party spoiling um, with a win at Newcastle. Um, and And yeah, then, you know, it's all to play for them. Um, you know, they go to Chelsea last game of the season to Newcastle. Um, so they'll they'll feel the pressure. Um, and, you know, United obviously still have Chelsea to play as well. Um, Bournemouth as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I think there's really the potential there for them teams to drop enough points and for us to get across the line. We have Villa at the weekend at home. We've only lost one game at home all season. We really should win that. And then we have already relegated Southampton on the last game of the season. So that would be a catastrophe if we don't win there. So, you know, I think we're going to end the season unbeaten in 11 with nine wins in a row. Um, and and let's see where that takes us, hopefully, into the top four. And, you know, like that season Craig referred to, we ended up finishing third that season because Leicester screwed up and we jumped above them on the final day of the season as well. So, um I would love a repeat of that, but you know, of course, I'd be delighted to to finish top four if that's possible. The other thing which is interesting is that Brighton have four games left as well. Now, if they could do a four for four and get twelve points, they might be in it. They will potentially be in the mix, depending on how the other fixtures go. But they they could they could they could get top four as well. Um, wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. If Brighton yeah. and Liverpool make top four, banish Newcastle. Oh, sorry, Elbow FC. And United. 
the fraud fraud united wouldn't that be wouldn't that just be great mm-hmm. wouldn't that be just actually you know what? i think that would be the cherry on the cake for the premier league season you know, laugh at arsenal all right we flew too we flew too close to the sun and we got burnt we'll learn from it what have you guys got to show for this year carabao cup no one cares about it no one cares even carabao don't care about the fact you won it like you know Alex Ferguson doesn't care, but you guys are happy. You won a trophy, well done. FA Cup, that's different, we'll talk. But Carabao, League Cup, no one cares. At the League Cup, I've always viewed it as Man City's preseason trophy. It's the trophy they win before the big stuff happens, right? But hey, well done, Maynard. You, you've done really well. You should be proud of yourselves. Um, do you think if Newcastle, of the two, which one do you think, Craig, is most likely to drop out of the top four? Maynard. They're, they're, they're playing well. They're, they're very, they're very, unco- they're very unco- they're not consistent enough. Mm. They'll, 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 they'll lose against a Brighton and they'll win the next game. Then they'll lose another game. Then they'll win another game. They're, they're not consistent enough. That's a fair point. Well, either way, I mean, it's, it's, it would just be, it would just be joyous. Joyous is probably not the right word. Um, I will be eating popcorn and celebrating whichever one of you drops out of it. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, obviously, there's a lot of lot of drama at the bottom of the table. We know that Southampton are finally confirmed to be down after their just abject, crappy um, performances in the last few games. I have to say this, Southampton, you will not be missed by me. Goodbye, good riddance. I remember going to games at the Emirates and you lot spoil the parade. I don't care. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And then next year, Brighton, you can join them. Get out. Sick of these clubs coming in here and just affecting our team with their somehow they just somehow turn up turn up like Fraser Forster would become the best goalkeeper in the world two, t- twice as twice a season in what games against Arsenal then the very next week can he's four like what's the point anyway it happens um but I guess now Leicester leads Everton and Forest of those four which two are we condemning to the championship Leicester on 30 points Leeds on 31 points, Everton on 32 points, and not in the first on 34 points. Craig, who are you condemning? Which two is going to go down? Leicester, Everton. Leicester, Everton. Mark, who you got? Leeds and Leicester, although I really hope Leicester can beat Newcastle. Yeah. I, I want Forrest to stay up. I just... It's just weird. Everton... You just never know with them. I feel like they, they might have something in, in the tank. They might. But if they don't, I'm going to keep it as it is right now. So we're going to lose uh, Leicester and Leeds, unfortunately. It is what it is. Can't save them all. Uh, a final thing we'll say as we close, because, you know, it's, it's tr- silly season is almost upon us. And obviously we've seen crazy players linked to different teams. Mason Mount to Arsenal. Many Arsenal fans are like, we don't really want him. Talk of Granit Xhaka leaving after what's been an incredible redemption arc for him. From being a player who Arsene Wenger said was the was a, a box-to-box player before he signed him. Then when he signed him, he could be, could be like our version of Xabi Alonso. That was the kind of sentiment that we got from him. From getting a red card in his first 10 games to looking like a guy who we just couldn't depend upon to being a hothead to being the captain, to throwing that away, literally, to winning back our hearts and affection. Some fans never never lost love for him, but his story might be over, which is ironic because Granit Xhaka, as long as he's been at Arsenal, we have never made Champions League. The only season we were in Champions League when he was at Arsenal was his first season because he qualified the year before. And I just find it ironic that in the year we've made Champions League, he's potentially going to leave. Good. So I have to leave it there. Good. <laughs> but on that note, which three players, Liverpool players, Craig, would you take at Arsenal? Now, currently. Yeah, and why? Um, Trent for yep. his delivery. The goalkeeper, Allison, because he's consistent. Okay. Doesn't make, rarely makes mistakes. Okay. And um, I can't see I like Cody Gapo, you know. Do you think those three... No, or Salah, Salah. Say, do you think those three players would be enough to win Arsenal in the league next season? If they yeah, were to come 100%. in? Yeah, 100%. Alisson in goal would not concede a goal like, that, that 
Ramsdale conceded against Brighton, 100%. No comment. He, would, he wouldn't power it out like he may power it out. No comment. Um, Trent, Trent, Trent can play the system like what, like what, um, like what Sussain can play on the right-hand side. So we'll get a lot of crosses in. I have to be honest, Mark. I, I, I would be very happy for us to do an experiment next season and have a swap. You can have Ben White and we'll take Trent for, for the year, just alone. Not like a, I just, I would, I would love to see what he would, how he would fit in Arsenal's system. You fit him perfectly, man. I just, I just want to see what he would do. He moves Shenko on the wings, bombing forward. Um, okay, and Salah, yeah, Salah with the score more goals. Yeah, Salah score more goals than Jesus. Salah score more goals than Jesus. So you win the league. With, if we had Salah on the team from January, we would have won the league. But the league would have been wrapped up by now, hundred percent. I mean, Salah has got more goals than Jesus for what it has been viewed as a quote-unquote poor season. So yeah, that's that's a gimme. Salah, yeah, Salah's a, Salah will score the goals. Mark, which, which three players are you taking from Arsenal to strengthen Liverpool? This may be quite surprising, actually, um, but I thought of it in terms of the nature of actually lining up our squad. So I'm taking Odegaard, um, I'm taking Zinchenko, and I'm taking Tommy Astu. Sinchenko. Tommy Asu. Okay, I see the vision. I see the vision. I see the vision. So, 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 so what, what, what I'm doing is, I actually think this would be a massive improvement for us, right? Is you, you wanted to see what it would look like with Trent and on the right-hand side and Zinchenko on the left-hand side for you. I'm the same, but just in midfield. So we'd have Trent and Zinchenko both in midfield um, with Odegaard as more of our forward midfielder. And then we'd have Tommy Asu at fullback just because he's solid, simple, doesn't make any mistakes. And I actually think under Jurgen Klopp would be a very, very good player because he's he's efficient. He likes to work hard. You know, he's that type of, you know, humble, fits the squad type player quite well. Um, and I took him over White because I don't really think Ben White can play football um, that much, like, you know, personally. Like, he, he, he talks about not liking football and that's very clear to see in the way he plays football. Um, you know, so for for me, like you know, the, you know, he's he's not a like he's a, he's a, he's a he's not a fifty million pound centre back, but he's a centre back, and you know, you've converted him into a fullback, and fair play, he's doing okay, you know, in what has been a good system. But as Craig pointed out, and it's part of the reason why I wouldn't want him anywhere near my team is get a good winger going at him directly, and it's game over. We know that's the case for Trent, right? You don't want to expose him at the fullback on his own with Leroy Sane running at him because he'll kill him, right? End off, right? So I want a fullback. I don't, I don't need them to be a 10. A seven's fine, who can defend, who works hard, and who knows how to be a fullback. And from Arsenal's perspective, I think Tommy Asu is the best fullback at least right back for that. And then I would just love to see Trent and Zinchenko in the middle of the park, moving the play around with Odegaard doing so more advanced. It's a very creative midfield, but, you know, I think that'd be quite interesting personally. That's an interesting move. I mean, I'm, I'm taking Trent. That's just my first choice pick. I'm going to go for Nunez through the middle. So I felt that could just be very interesting having those two together. And then the last piece of the puzzle, I'm taking, you know, you know, I know, I know, I know, I know he's, I know he's fallen off a bloody cliff this season, but uh, there might still be something serviceable there in the, for our midfield. It might be. It depends. Obviously, I have to go by the squad, squad right now. I don't know what's going to happen in the summer. I don't know what's going to happen with incomings and outgoings but I'd probably take Fabinho um, yeah and I would play Trent as an inverted right back with Zinchenko the other side and then just you know total football and then when we lose the ball Fabinho can just drop into central centre back and three at the back so that that would work three at the back in out of possession in possession and just have fun with it so that's, that's what I'd go for um, yeah it's been it's been an interesting season I think ultimately what we've learnt this year is one how good of a coach Arteta is but in that very same token he needs and it's it's been an issue with him since his first season because in his first season he he understood the need to be pragmatic when the FA Cup was available for us to win he switched his system and he we played counter-attacking football 
we knew he wanted to play this more passing progressive football. We didn't have the players for it. So we played counter-attacking football. We, we played five at the back. We packed out the defence. And we what was our tactic? Get the ball, crossfield ball to Aubameyang. Aubameyang, eyesight defender, 1v1, cut inside and shoot. That was our, that was our goal, goal tactic. That was goal tactic number one. Goal tactic number, number two was an upgrade on Emery's cutback football. That was our, that was our game and it worked. Pepe was effective. Aubameyang was effective. He worked. Season two, he started to get his players in, started to change it, tried to play more expansive football. And, and it works to an extent, but when you don't trust your wider squad, and he, you didn't think about Pepe, he could have played, played a part this season. He could, and he probably should be at the club. He should be the one challenging Saka for minutes. Nelson should have started a lot more games. There's even been games this year when we played not in the first early in the season. And Ketcher should have started. Why wait until Jesus gets injured and you bring him in? These are the things that he needs to learn for next season. You can't just have your 13 players that you trust 100% and the rest of them is like, mm, I guess, oh, I guess, oh, okay. Oh, you know, Saliba's injured. Oh, okay, I'll bring in Rob Holden. I don't like him, but I'll bring him in. Kivio's right there, bruv. Why not use him? You know? Mm. Um, Ramsdale's out of form. Put, Matt, Matt Turner's right, playing well in the Cups. You don't give him a game in the league. How does could, that make sense? You could have put Turner, Tierney could have played centre back as well. Tierney could have centre back for Scotland. Yeah, you could, you could have tried that. There's lots of things you could have done. And Gabriel at the back. Or yeah. you could have at the back. It's the things we could have done. I think that the, that's the thing I want to see from him next year is one better squad utilization. It's been my, one of my main complaints of him is that he just doesn't use, use the squad enough. I don't mind having Plan A. Trust Plan A. But when Plan A is not working, have Plan B and switch to it fast, and have Plan C and switch to it fast, uh, and ultimately make all the players feel like they're a part of something. Because you can't bring on Smith Rowe in the game last few games saying, "Oh, save us," but when we're winning comfortably, he doesn't come off the bench. Mm. doesn't work mm. you can't do that you cannot expect players to just perform like that it's just it's not it doesn't work since you're a player that's been there so many years so I want to see more pragmatism I want to see more flexibility I want to see the evolution of Arteta you've suffered and I really hope the, the pain of us missing out on the league hurts deeply hurts this summer like don't dwell I don't carry it into next season but I want you from the end of May June and the start of July to feel that pain so that you're like okay Edu Cronkays, this is what I need. And the players who you can't trust and don't want, get rid of them. But you as a coach, you need you need to create space for those Mavericks and, and let them have a chance to fire at this club. Because again, I think Pepe could have done something this season. I think Inketa could have done more if he was given more games to have more rhythm. You know, Smith Rowe could have done more if he had a bit more rhythm. It's just so much more. And then again, and then if we'd rotated more, you wouldn't have had Partey fall off a cliff in, in, in fitness and form. And lastly, if you don't trust Rob Holden, when offers come in for him, sell him. So I don't I don't expect to see a report next season at Arsenal. If he's still here at Arsenal next season, boy, boy, oh boy, oh boy. September first pod the first podcast in September. If Rob Holding's still an Arsenal player, hey, 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 hey. That's gonna be fiery. That's all I have to say on that note. But thanks everyone for listening in. It's been quite fun. We're gonna see what happens in Champions League of Man City um get the result they need to reach the final against Real Madrid whether it will be the start of their four-game collapse. Wishful thinking, but sometimes in life you've got to have a little bit of faith. A little bit of hope goes a long way. See you all next time. Peace out. Peace. Peace.